0: Over the past few Sundays, we've been, uh, Jason and I have been sharing with you about the Psalms and uh, the forms of worship that are found in them. And we've seen that there's the Psalm that's focused on seeking God, uh, there's the Psalm that moves from lament to praise, uh, expressing this heart of the worshiper who's made a vow. To praise God no matter what. And then last week we looked at the psalm of victory, which really brings an important aspect of, of our worship, uh, like thanksgiving, uh, humility, acknowledgement of God's providence, his invisible hand doing things. And, and that for us today, our song of victory is Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the son of the living God. And the gates of hell will not prevail over that foundation on, um, on his identity. And today, I want to tell you about another kind of psalm that is included in the worship of the ancient saints. And it's the psalm that is a proclamation of faith. Uh, This kind of psalm is not in past tense. It's not has or did. uh, and It's not present tense. uh, But it's spoken in future tense. Often we see in the psalms, you know, God has done this or that speaking of what God has done in the past. But in some of the Psalms, the wor- worshipers speak of what God will do in the future or what they will do because of who God is. It's a statement of faith based on what they know to be true of God and, is what, and what he's done for them in the past. Now, here, I want to give you a couple examples of this. Uh, the first is, is from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength present tense, and and an ever-present help and trouble. Therefore, we will not fear future, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Later in this psalm, the voice of God enters in, and he speaks of the future. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Is going to happen. What, what is interesting in this psalm is that there are statements of faith about God. And then what follows are statements from the worshipers of what they will do. Here are the statements of faith about God in this psalm. In verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. That is a statement of faith. And then in verse 7 and 11, which are repeated in this song, the Lord Almighty is with us. That's a statement of faith. He is our fortress, as a statement of faith. Because God is these things, I will not fear. That's how I look at the future, he says, the worshiper says, even if the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the sea. Now, you know, there have been some things shaking in our country. There are things that we thought were pretty stable, maybe even foundational, economy, jobs, um, your home, your paycheck. Um, you know maybe there are some helpful things that we could actually learn and understand from these ancient worshipers. God is, therefore, He will." Or "I will." You can find other psalms that, that have this same element in them, this proclamation of faith. Psalm 115 proclaims, "God is in heaven and does as He pleases, but he's also loving and faithful. And because God is these things, he will bless those who fear him. Psalm 108 tells of God's love and faithfulness and what God has spoken to this certain people group. And, and the psalmist says, because God is these things and has said these things, then with God we will gain the victory and he will trample down our enemies. Psalm 48 begins with, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. And then ends with, for this, is, for this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide ever, even to the end. God is, therefore he will, or therefore I will. These are statements. These are proclamations of faith. We hear them in the words of missionaries and in the songs of saints from the past. But we need to hear and speak these words today. Faith is part of our worship. And our worship is more than a song. We worship with our lives. God is, therefore I will. What will you do because of God? who God is? It's a choice to live by faith and not by sight. You see, this part of worship in the Psalms that should be a part of our worship today is touching something core to the Christian life, and that's faith. It's faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And some translations put it this way, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Later in this passage about faith, we're told that without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Now that's what we're we're coming upon here. It's two major truths for the Christ follower. To believe God is, thank you, and to believe that God rewards those who diligently seek him. Two things, that God is, he exists, and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Those are two core things connected to faith. God exists, God is. I mean, right from the first sentence in the Bible, we hear, in the beginning, God. You know, this is probably the biggest thought That you and I could ever entertain in our minds, God is. Sidney Lanyard was a a poet in the late 1800s, and because of some health reasons, he moved down to a coastal region of Georgia, and uh, and is a marsh region called Glynn, and while he was there exploring around the marshes, he was amazed, all this grass that that grew in this boggy, wet area. And he thought it seemed kind of ridiculous for grass to, to grow in this water. And as he was walking and tramping around through it, he, he tried to pull some up. And he couldn't pull it out. It wasn't like it was loosely just floating around in the water. It set down its roots deep down below the water and beneath the surface into the soil. And he couldn't budge it because the roots went down so deep. And then he asked about it and found it was simply called marsh grass. And then he noticed that there was a certain bird... It was called a marsh hen that built its nest out there on top of the water, between and and woven lightly into the, the marsh grass. And he thought, man, that's a really stupid place for a bird to build a nest. But when he asked, he found out that the nest actually floated on top of the water and went up and down with the elevation as the tides came in and out. And it actually had greater protection from predators and storms, more really than any other bird. And around 1878, while he was away from the marshes of Glynn, Sidney wrote these lines in one of his poems. As the marsh hen secretly builds on the watery sod, behold, I will build me a nest on the greatness of God. And later, by so many roots as the marsh grass sins in the sod, I will heartily lay me a hold on the greatness of God of God God is you can build your life upon that you can put your roots down into that the Bible declares that God is that that he is above us that God is beneath us to support us God is behind us as our as our guard God is before us as our leader God is at our right hand to protect us. For God's true people, God is within us as our companion and our comforter. God is our God forever and ever. You know, sometimes you might waver on this. There are moments when we have all wavered on this great truth. You know, Martin Luther tells of a time when he started, started into this depression and how he was moping around the house and complaining and speaking in a language of despair and one morning while he was in this depression he, he woke up and got up and discovered that his wife had draped black all over the house and he and he went down to the table and as he sat down he noticed that his wife had a, a black armband around her arm and and he just was upset about all this black around the house and making it gloomy, and, and, he, and he looked at her and said, what's, what's going on? Somebody die? And his wife replied, well, didn't you know, Martin? God died. Said, God is not dead. And, and his wife replied, well, the way you've been acting lately, a person would have thought he was. So I assumed God was dead and went into mourning. Well, his wife was being facetious, of course, but Martin got her point and uh, sort of got him straightened out. But, and God is not dead. God is. When you start to fret, get anxious, or upset, remember God is. Put your roots down into that. Build your nest on that. You know, sometimes we need to pray some of that old school language. We need to say, God, smite us with a realization that you are smite i was trying to teach my son to smite that baseball the other day with a bat but we need to get smited by god with the realization that he is you know the second big truth that these psalmists were standing upon to be able to make these proclamations of faith in their worship was the truth that god rewards God rewards. Hebrews 11.6 says that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Diligently. That's not a haphazard kind of thing. And seek, as Jason told us in the first part of this series, is, is to hotly pursue or run after. And there was a time when David gathered the people together and told them, set your heart and soul on seeking the Lord your God. We see the words of Jesus telling us that if we ask, it will be given. If we seek, we will find. You know, the prophet Jeremiah spoke the words of God saying, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You know, if you got a concordance and did a a search on seeking God, you'd find there's all kinds of rewards in seeking him. There's strength. There's peace of mind, there's comfort, blessings, deliverance from enemies, healing, answers to prayers. All of these are rewards for seeking God. So are you seeking God? Are you seeking him? Where, where would you start? Where would you seek God? I would assert that you could begin a God search within your own life every day Looking for God's activity. You know there was a book that was uh, quite popular a while ago. Uh, it was called *Experiencing God* by Henry Blackaby. Some of you may have been in a class or heard about it. And and the whole big idea that he had in this book was that God is doing stuff all around us. And if you get sensitive to it, you can get in on it, on what He's doing. It's kind of an exciting thing. When do you seek God? You know, there is such a thing as having a daily time to seek the Lord. You know, some have called it a, a daily quiet time. And, and although you won't find that phrase in the Bible, followers of God have been doing that sort of thing since ancient times. A lot of powerful Christ followers from the present and past have testified to the rewards in their life that have come from setting aside a bit of time every day to seek the Lord. Psalm 5 uh, speaks of seeking god in the morning psalm 63 speaks of seeking him at night you know you can pray you can read the bible or you can just sit and be still and think about god do you seek the lord do we come to him when we have needs that, that that's a good thing he's our father we're his children children are always dependent upon their parents I think he made it that way for us. You're never going to get out of being de- independent from God. You can try, but it won't work. You, know, you ever have some financial needs? Then get a financial counselor. But maybe, before you do that, maybe try seeking the Lord. You, what, what are you doing with your future? Maybe uh, go check out a book from the library that tells you how to plan your life. But maybe, maybe before you do that, Maybe seek the Lord. Ask what he wants you to do with your life. You know, seeking the Lord means that your life is oriented towards him and around him. You're consulting him. Isaiah the prophet was always warning the people about misplaced trust. He said, when men tell you to consult mediums and spiritualists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? You know, why even go check your horoscope in the newspaper on what kind of day you're going to have. Seek God. Seek God. Ask Him. Do we need strengthening of our faith? I know I do. I do. You know what? You could seek God in His Word. Romans 10.17 says that faith comes from hearing the Word of God. The Apostle John said the Word was written so that we might believe. You You might also strengthen your faith by seeking God in his people. Do you know that can happen? There have been, there have been some who have described a room full of vibrant Christ followers as a bunch of live wires. And you and I need to get connected to those live wires. You know, faith in that sense is kind of like a contagious disease. You know, you get around folks who have it and you catch it. You know, in his letter to the, to the Roman believers, the Apostle Paul felt this way, and he said that he was looking forward to being with them so that their faith would be strengthened, and, and then his faith, uh, their faith would strengthen his, and then his faith would strengthen theirs. It was, it was a mutual thing. We need to get in on that. Jesus said you can find him among his people. He said where two or three are gathered in his name, that he would be there in their midst. God is. God rewards those who diligently seek him. The element of faith has got to be in our worship. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And because of faith, I can say in my worship, Jesus is the resurrected Lord of all. And he will be with me to the very end. I can say that he does care for me so i will cast my anxiety and my cares upon him god is the author and perfecter of my faith and he will finish what he started in me and that's my psalm of faith my proclamation of faith what's your psalm of faith what's your proclamation strengthen your faith by knowing God is and begin diligently seeking Him. Bob Benson is a preacher who's dead and gone, but he he tells in his book, He Speaks Softly, of being upstairs in his study working and hearing his wife down below in the kitchen. And as he worked, he would start to hear his wife pulling out some mixing bowls. And he would hear the sound of the mixer raising, raising up through the house. And he would hear some pans bang around and hear the oven door open and close. And as time passed, an aroma began drifting upstairs into the study. And it was the smell of lemon pound cake and peach nectar simmering on the stovetop. And as he worked, he heard the sound of the oven door opening again. And he could imagine a cake coming out of there. And he knew that at that moment, his wife would be taking some confectioner's sugar that she had heated up on the stovetop and be pouring it over the top of that hot cake. And it would just be dripping down the sides. And in a few moments after listening attentively, he heard the sink and the washing of pans. And then it was quiet. And then Bob says he suddenly needed a drink of water. And he would find his way downstairs into the kitchen. And seeing his wife was gone, he would go to that moist, warm cake sitting there and take a pinch off of it, usually in the same spot where his wife had just taken a pinch off of it. Now, Bob says that there were no rules about this. He didn't make himself listen to her progress in the kitchen. He didn't even force himself to come down into the kitchen there wasn't any discipline involved at all. And the explanation is clear enough. He just loved cake. Bob went on to say, I've known a few people, and I've read of others, who who talk about God with the same excitement that I used to describe warm cake. And these truly devout Christ followers talk of seeking Him as the finest thing of their day. And it's not because they should but they should and it's not because it was necessary but it is necessary and it's not because they have to although they have to no it's because these people want to they truly desire God they pause at the doorway because they know going somewhere without him is like not going anywhere at all you see the lives of people who love God are filled with stories of struggle Striving, building altars, and maintaining spiritual disciplines. But they also tell you of mornings when they are, are, were waiting for the sun to come up because they couldn't wait to meet with God. So here are two things, two things that you can grab onto about faith. You can sink, sink your roots down into them. And that's believing God is, and that God rewards those who diligently seek Him. Strengthen your faith, these two things, and you'll strengthen your worship.